Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. When I'm writing, there's a lot that can throw me off my writing group, whether it's searching for the outline and research or self-editing, the distractions that pop up left and right, anonymous elephants peering at me in the dock, strikethroughs and rogue edits before I'm ready. It can be pretty chaotic. But Kaylee, what if you could take control of the process and complete assignments 50% faster? I am really excited because ButterDocs is writing software built for writers who want the most productive writing processes possible, which of course we do. Of course. So freelance writing coach listeners can try this out. We are so excited about it. We've tried it ourselves and highly recommend it. You can get started for free at butterdocs.com slash F-W-C. That's butterdocs.com slash F-W-C. Have you ever thought about taking on a short-term contract role I don't mean going in-house and getting a normal full-time job. I mean, taking on something that is on a contract basis. And that contract might be a month. It might be a year. It might even be two years. But these opportunities exist out there for freelance writers. And have you ever thought about it? So today we are going to talk about taking on these kind of roles, what they are, whether they're worth doing, our experiences with them. And we're going to kick off with Kaylee. Why don't you share your recent experience with exploring contract roles? Yeah. So I would say for the past three-ish, maybe four years, I've been pretty busy with freelance work. I haven't had to do any sort of outreach. I've stayed consistently busy over that time. Then last year, I took my little sabbatical for about three months where I was still working, but just the tiniest little bit just to kind of keep some money coming in. I'm back in action full swing now in January, and I got to be honest, it's rough out there. There's a lot of people who are looking for work. I'm not as busy as I would like to be, even after, you know, 10 years in business doing this full time. It's tough. And so I had an opportunity. I had a recruiter who reached out on LinkedIn recently, and it was for a short-term contract role doing copywriting work, which I haven't done for a while, but, you know, I have experience doing it in the past and not somebody who would like oh yeah, sure. I could do this. I would of course get myself up to speed. Important qualifier, I feel like. So I went through the process of interviewing for this short-term contract role. And it was really exciting to me because it was for a travel company, first of all, which is relevant to my interests. Yes. You're always going off somewhere. Yes. I love to travel. I was like, oh, perfect. Like I can speak to this. I am the customer. But then the other big draw was that I would have to travel to Europe for part of the working in person with the team on site, basically. And so that was very exciting to me, too. I was also at a place in my life where I was like, I want to get out of here. I want to travel. I want to take some time. This will be a new challenge for me. This is just what I need. So I spent several hours and many emails going through the interviewing process for this. Can I stop you for a second and just say that Everything you just said about it sounds amazing. Like I got excited thinking, yeah, I want this opportunity for Kaylee or for me or whatever. Like it sounds, you really just 
shared the positive. So tell me what happened. Yes. So I was pretty committed. Like I told a few people about it. Like I'm applying for this. I'm getting pretty far down the, as far as the process goes, I think they're probably going to make an offer. And so they did. But what I encountered once they finally made the offer was the conditions started to evolve pretty rapidly. And so number one, I asked for a fairly low rate based on my experience level and expertise. And they kind of pushed back on that. We're like, "Mm, no, we wanted to pay X amount, which was about 20% lower than what I had quoted. And it was already a low number. So that was a little red flaggy to me. And then they were like, we don't actually know if we need you to come on site anymore. And I was like, ah, you know, that was such a big part of the draw. And that was part of the discussion of like, let's figure out the logistics of where am I going to live when I'm over there in Europe for two weeks or whatever, three weeks. And for them to take that off the table after the offer came through was, it felt a little bait and switchy. And it it seemed like they didn't exactly know what they wanted. Everything was pretty murky. And every fiber in my being was saying, you know that this is bad news. Because you can't please the person who doesn't know what they want. It's never going to be right. So because of all those factors, even though they did come back and offer a higher rate, They were like, we can get you over here at some point. That kind of language of some point still seemed really ambiguous to me. And I was like, no, I just don't think this is the right fit and the right time for me. So I ended up passing on it. It was a big bummer. But that's the thing. You know, it seems so shiny and exciting. And, oh, I'm going to go live in Europe for a month or whatever and, and do this new challenging thing and work with a company that's a big name that people know. It had all the the glitz and glamour factors, but the reality of it, you really have to pay attention to that, even when everything looks so sparkly. I feel like that's a message for any type of situation as a freelancer, regardless of if it's short-term or not. There's always that possibility that could look and sound better in the early stages and on paper than when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it. It could not be quite what you expect. So it's important to get that context and those details. Do you feel like after you went through that, you're sort of like, I don't want to take on a contract role that looks like that. And I I wasted all this time and energy on it. Or do you feel still that you would be open to taking on that kind of role if it sort of arose again and was closer to the right thing? Well, the conditions for this particular one was one of those deals where they had people in-house who were doing the work and they were kind of hobbling by. Nobody really knew what they were doing, but it was fine enough. And so I think that I would like an opportunity where I would get to come in and be the expert and kind of take the wheel on a project like that. I want a company and a team that's more familiar with like what the outcome is supposed to look like and very clear about what they want to need so that everybody can be working towards one goal instead of that too many cooks in the kitchen type of feeling where nobody really knows exactly what it's supposed to look or sound like. So everybody's unhappy. Am I a little upset that I invested so much time and energy into this interviewing process? Yes and no. I mean, I feel like it was a good learning experience because if something like this came along again, and like I said, the conditions were right, I feel like this is an interesting challenge. It's something different. I I love the novelty factor of it, of getting to do something that's not super long-term, but is a challenging short-term commitment. And again, some consistent workload too, which is one of the reasons I even considered it in the first place because things have been slow and I thought, oh, this will keep me busy for the next three to six months, whatever it ends up being. So yeah, that's what I think. What about you though? Have you ever considered this type of short-term contract role? I have considered it and I have done a couple, but they all like quite short-term. I There's two that come to mind and they were both for like major tech companies, 
they both had in-person elements and I live in Silicon Valley. So like that was part of it. And it was interesting to me when you were saying like, oh, they have to have like a really clear idea. And I'm like, oftentimes when the team is so big, it's just like a bureaucratic mess a little bit. I mean, not always, but it's so different from what we're used to. Things take way longer. It's way slower. You need more approvals. Legal gets involved and blah, blah, blah. It's not like just creating an asset for someone and sending it off. So I have done two. One was for like a wearables, like a fitness wearable brand. And the other was for a major accounting solution. And they both paid hourly. That's usually the way it works. One of them was a 20 hour a week commitment. And one of them was like a, maybe a 10 hour per week. The 20 hour per week one lasted longer. It was maybe six months. And I felt like 20 hours per week, it kept me really busy. I made some good money off of it, but I also was able to have time for other clients. So it wasn't like only that. And the 10 hour a week one was more annoying. And I think it was like more low level work because often like these big companies, they don't hire contractors as the expert. They hire contractors for like specific things that they don't want to do. So in the instance of like one of these companies, they were redoing their website and they needed to rewrite like every support article or something. Like it was something like that. Like they needed new title tags and whatever. So they gave me a list of like 500 things. And even though they were paying me like quite a high rate to do it, it was like not exciting work. And I think... It depends on the company, but oftentimes the really exciting work internally at a big name company is not going to be taken on by a contractor. And I don't know if that was your feeling when you were interfacing with this role, if you were like, I'm not sure that that like actually what I'm going to get to write is going to be that. Well, yeah, it was paid search ad copy. So it was copywriting. That becomes a slog because it's very repetitive. It's a high volume. And yes, I think you're right. I think it's one of those things that the internal team is like, this is a bit tedious and in the weeds. So let's outsource it to somebody who knows this stuff well and doesn't mind doing it because our time would be better spent elsewhere. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. So I think that's like totally relevant to thinking about this, that it's like if companies that are offering these contract roles have different standards and expectations of what that role is than we might expect as people who are freelancing. So I think one of the things that I also see as far as the short-term contract roles that I want to talk about, and I think you've probably seen this too, is that if you consider going on board with the agency for just a little bit, again, if things are slow or if you're looking to switch things up, you want a new challenge, you don't want to do the, the business development side of running a freelance business. Some people do decide to take on these agency short-term contract roles. And so I think this is another place we see these type of opportunities um, and where you need to be thinking about these considerations. Emma, I'm curious, have you ever worked with an agency before? Many times. What is your experience like? Because I feel like I always hear bad things. Uh, mix. It's totally mixed. You know, what's interesting is that when I was thinking about like short-term contracts, in some ways, like everything I do is a short-term contract, like, right? Like in a way, but I think when we're talking about this specifically, we're sort of talking about either you're on board for a project and it's like more time than just like creating a couple of assets or doing some blog posts per month. Like you're more integrated into this. So I have done this with agencies, 
I used to work with a really great agency that had major tech clients and they would bring me on for specific projects when they needed basically a really good freelance writer to help them with like a somewhat heavy lift on a quick timeline for one of these clients. So they would come to me and they'd say, hey, we need you for three months to do whatever project. And it was sometimes hourly, but sometimes a flat rate for that work. And that agency was really great to work with. I think it it was great to work with because they paid me very well and fairly. And my contact there was amazing. And so she was always advocating for me and wanted to work with me. And she was very organized and like, it was good. I've had other instances where agencies sort of hire me as like a contract writer. And those experiences have been like, not nearly as good. Like, There's editorial issues with who's editing it. There's feeling like you don't get a good enough download of the information from the client. And a lot of agencies, it feels like everything is on fire. So I would say agencies are a mixed bag. I think it's still a really great experience to work for an agency because you just get really, really good experience. It's often varied experience. So I think that is something that is definitely worth considering if you're thinking about doing some kind of short-term contract. I do want to talk a little bit about like just sort of the pros and cons. We've like talked about our experiences, but I do want to talk a little bit about just kind of general pros and cons of doing this work. And for me, like probably the biggest pro is that the work is consistent in a way that freelance work with people coming in and out of the door isn't. And of course that contract work could disappear at any time, but there's a lot of contract jobs that last a year. I see them posted all, all the time where it's like, okay, we you have a contract job for a year, whether it's 20 hours a week or 40 hours per week. There's a lot of sort of security in that. And if you are not in a place where you want to do a lot of business development or you really want to get a deep dive or you need the financial stability, those are just amazing opportunities. And to me, that is the biggest pro. Yeah. And I feel like that was probably, we should have opened this conversation with as kind of qualifying what we mean when we, when we're talking about short-term contract roles. I think it's like you said, a 20 hour or 40 hour commitment a week type of thing where you are working with one point of contact for a short term of, you know, maybe it's one month, maybe it's six months, maybe it's 12. It's like a month to month lease on an apartment, right? It's a little bit more certainty, but it's not super locked in. And so again, it's like, we're not going to need you forever. We don't need you as a full-time employee, but we also, we don't really need a freelancer for a one-off project. We want something a little bit more long-term than that type of working relationship. So just to to put some edges on the table. Yeah, some guardrails on what we're talking about. And I actually found with some of these contracts, rather than having like a single point of contact, they actually want you to be more integrated in the team for that time, especially if you're going in person. And that's an interesting element of this is depending on where you live. Sometimes these contract opportunities are in person. That can be like a downside for some people, but for other people, including myself, it's like amazing to get out and I don't have to do like a 40 hour week. It's not forever, but it's an amazing opportunity to get out and get to know people in person because nothing can really replace that. So those are like some of the pros. I think the other big pro is that what I see where, and this again is because of where I live. It's an amazing opportunity to get in on the ground floor of some of these major tech companies like Google hires contractors, Meta hires contractors into it. 
Stripe, like lots of these like bigger name tech companies where I live have contract work. And the contract work for these companies, I would say, by and large, not glamorous. You are not going to come in as the expert, but you will come in to do some certain kind of job. And if you're great at it and you love the team, there's an opportunity for a full-time hire there for like, I mean, these companies are amazing to work for in many ways, right? In terms of like financially and the benefits and that sort of thing. So I think if that's a goal for you, the contract work is an amazing opportunity for that. And I know plenty of people who actually want a full-time role and they're like, I can't find the full-time role that I want. So I'm going to have to settle for a contracting role. So that's just another way of thinking about it, that they're sort of like, well, a full-time role, I can't find one because the contract role interview process for us, it seems like crazy, like cumbersome, lots and lots. But for compared to a regular full-time job, it's like a tiny. So I think it depends a lot on on your perspective going into it. I was just going to say the in-person aspect, I think, was a big value to me because working alone from home for 10 years, the opportunity to go on site and work with the team again in another country, I think was a one of the maybe the biggest reason I was interested in this opportunity because it's face to face. And that's, you know, we've talked about loneliness on this podcast so many times. Sometimes it's nice to plug into an existing organization and be part of that if you're used to being kind of a solo individual. So I just wanted to make that note. I think that Again, that was a big shiny factor for me where I was like kind of ignoring all the risk factors because I wanted that so much. So again, just another thing to be mindful of. What were you going to say? I was just going to say like, let's get into the drawbacks, but I'm glad that you took the time to say like, hey, the in-person element was like huge for me, especially because they were offering a travel part of it, right? So it's not necessarily where you live. There may be an option to go somewhere or that sort of thing, right? So yeah, let's talk about the drawbacks. So what do you see as the drawbacks to this kind of work? I think one of the biggest drawbacks that stands out in my mind is that when you sign on for a project like this, it really does limit your capacity. So by saying yes, you might have other opportunities that crop up that were unexpected that you have to turn down. And so that is one of the the drawbacks of committing at this level to a short-term contract is that you might not have the bandwidth to do the cool thing that popped up or to take the trip that was offered as part of another opportunity. There's going to be the stability of consistency and we have regular recurring work for you. But again, like that means you're going to be a little bit limited too. If you're used to the freedom and flexibility of freelancing where you can take on whatever project sounds good at at the time, this is a little bit different. So that's a big one for me. What about you? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think limiting your capacity is a big drawback. I think the other drawback of this kind of work is that it doesn't sort of flex your freelance muscles in lots of ways. So it allows you to kind of coast for a long time. It's a similar drawback to what you were talking about in a way where you don't have the capacity to take on more. But even if you do have the capacity, you're kind of able to kind of coast through it and not necessarily look for new opportunities or not flexing your muscles with with new kinds of projects. It's like, as we're talking about it, I'm like, the drawbacks actually seem kind of small, but I think that the opportunity has to be right for you. So to me, it's like these short-term contracts can be an amazing opportunity, but it has to be the right one. I think if you're doing something for like a year, 
and it's a contract for a year, then if you make that choice, and it may have many pros to you, you have to be thinking about like, well, what am I going to do next? What is this going to lead me to? Is my goal to be hired internally by this company I'm doing the contract for? Is my goal to do a new contract? Because I do know some freelancers that actually like they sort of bounce from one contract job to another, to another, to another. And there are agencies, placement agencies that will place copywriters or content writers in these kinds of roles. So I think if you take on one that's 40 hours a week, you want to be always thinking about like, well, what's the next thing? And I mean, I think this is a pro and also a con is that when you do one of these roles, if it's 40 hours or 30 hours, you're like fully invested in this thing. You're fully immersed. And that can be amazing if you're into it. You can learn a ton because it's depth, not breath. But it can also be somewhat confining because you are not exploring loads of things. Like at that point, there's a question of like, are you even a freelancer? I mean, you are, but you're really more like an employee doing a contract. Like it starts to get a little bit murky there. Yes, you have to do your due diligence as part of this. That is probably important thing to remember, number one. And always, right? Always an important thing to remember. Yeah, always. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. Yeah.